Today on the show, we're talking about struggling with nonfiction audiobooks. Welcome to Endless Audio, plugging you into your next great listen. My name's Courtney, I'm joined by my co-host Trevor, and today on the show, we're talking about struggling with nonfiction audiobooks. And this is something I've struggled with over time that I've got good at it. So it's it's not a curse. It's not like it's, it's it's not like something you can't learn how to do. But I I was drawn to audiobooks mostly for the reason that I there was a lot of books I wanted to consume that were really long books that I I, I might have even had the motivation to start but we're never going to finish. And so I thought, okay, audiobooks is the answer to this problem. But I found myself, I, I, my, my listening comprehension was weak. So I was on Reddit, as I'm on Reddit every day, and there's a section in Reddit, it's in, there's a section of Audible, a subreddit called Audible, and there was this post about struggling with comprehension of nonfiction audiobooks. And it goes like this. Hey all, so recently I started listening to audiobooks and I'm currently reading a lot of nonfiction. I found, however, that often while listening to audiobooks, I can become distracted and not fully take in what I've just heard. Often I'll stop and try to think about a chapter I just listened to and can only recall the bare surface of the topics discussed. I'm slightly annoyed as I was hoping audiobooks would increase my rate of reading per year, but the fact is my comprehension is down, kind of defeats the point in my eyes. With nonfiction, I want to take away lessons and actionable steps, not have a hazy memory of what I just listened to. Anyway, I'm just now trying to figure out listening to some fiction, which in fairness, I don't read enough of. So maybe that's audiobooks place for me in my life. I was just wondering if anyone else has success with nonfiction audio and actual comprehension, or is it just me? So if this was a room full of people, I would expect 90% of the hands to go up in the air if they were honest. You know, this is something you would struggle with out of the gates. I don't think you, you know, even reading a book, I struggle with comprehension of a, of a dry subject. Do you, do you, like, is it? Or is it just me? No, I've uh, I've read some pretty dry nonfiction books. And I mean, if you're not into the subject or it is actually written dryly, you're not you're going to be hard pressed to, to really retain anything. And, and I'm talking about books that you're not being compelled to read, like like in, I mean, in school that you have to read those books and there has to be a level of comprehension. This is just personal interest, right? It's- I'd actually like to argue that if we were given the option to listen to audiobooks in school, we might actually retain more information. Yeah, no, I agree that if, if, if the schools could hand it out that way, I would, if audio was an option, I would have chose that every single time. But I, I just think a lot of people struggle with this. My fear is there's people out there who are, are consuming audiobooks and they think they're, they're taking in information but they really aren't. Like the comprehension's not going to be there, and they're just putting in hours and hours of audio listening, nonfiction, maybe a really dry subject because they feel they want to get gain some knowledge, and they're not gaining any, and they don't even know it. But you would say though that this is a learned skill, and you mentioned that earlier, and I want to. I I really liked what you said that it is something that 
you could essentially get better at because I think there's this myth out there that people just say, oh, I, I, I'm not an auditory learner and write it off and write off audiobooks and nonfiction audiobooks too. True, but you, you, so you bring up a good point. What's your learning style? I, I think you, there's a whole bunch of quizzes you can take on the internet that, that would identify your learning style. So there's, there's basically three basic learning styles. Auditory, visual, and kinesthetics. Yeah, so that we, now that's by doing or touching, right? That, that last one. So know your style. So just because you're in love with the audiobook genre doesn't mean that's your learning style. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. You can like the idea of something so much, but not, not actually be able to learn that way. I went through a phase where I was, I'm a big fan of history. And I went through a phase where I was loading up my Audible library with uh, military history books. And I started all of them, <laughs> finished none of them. I come to realize that for me personally, as much as I like history, every history book out every written is like 800 pages. There's no 200 page history books. They just don't exist. And I don't know if it's historians, they just love to write. I, I don't know what, there, there's way, there, you could give very, very summarized histories, but nobody seems to want to do that. So I'm never reading the 800 page book. So I thought, well, I'll listen to it. What well, turns out there's so many facts and figures and dates and characters and people in, in a, a history of World War I that, you know, by the seventh chapter, you don't know if somebody's won or lost this war. <laughs> like you have no idea. So I, I think there's, okay, so I have a few questions I want to just sort of run down just sort of to frame this episode. So I'm going to start with just the basic question. Do you agree it's easier to listen to fiction versus nonfiction. What do you think? I personally, I think the, if you go back to like ancient times before people could read, storytelling was the, you know, li like live entertainment, Shakespeare even, like live entertainment was basically storytelling. I think we are, all humans are wired to consume the spoken word story. So it's not something you have to work at. It's not something you have to good at we come pre-wired to consume spoken word entertainment in the form of fiction. So I, I truly believe that you can effortlessly enjoy a fiction book through audio. Uh, your very first listen, and you will have a, it, it'll be incredibly enjoyable. Uh, I think runaway fiction is like, it, we're just pre-wired to absorb that and enjoy it. In the same breath, there is, I'm sure you've heard of this in kind of the corporate culture world, a lot of the corporate culture of our organization is told through storytelling. It is, and I mean, that's a little bit more nonfiction, but there is something to auditorily explaining just things. Yeah. And you know, I, I here's something I do a lot. So if you go on YouTube, I've been there a few times. <laughs> a bit of an addict, um, there's uh, lectures, his, like history professors will do lectures on YouTube. And I'll watch that lecture, and it'll be like an hour long, and I'll watch it on YouTube. And it's, it's basically someone standing there at a, at a podium uh, giving a lecture about some historical event. And I love history, so I'll watch it. And then I will also listen to that without the visual 
through the magic of of computers. I won't get into how I do that. And I will listen to it. And I actually take more out of their telling a story. It's different than someone narrating a book, right? A lecture is somebody telling a story. So I agree with you that there is something about uh, being told a story that is so captivating. So to circle back around to the question that you asked, do you agree it is easier to listen to fiction than nonfiction? Do you personally listen to nonfiction through audio simply to ensure that you consume nonfiction? You know what? That's a good question. I think I do. I think I I listen to nonfiction because I feel I want to get um, some sort of education. I can't, it can't just be entertainment all the time. And so maybe in a small way, I'm denying myself fiction, which I really enjoy in audio, just because I, I feel I should be learning something. And that might be the only way that you consume it. At this point, so if, if we go with that, that you consume more nonfiction than fiction, is nonfiction growing on you? Is it getting easier? Was it hard ever to consume that in, in contrast to fiction? When I first got into audiobooks, I, I think I'm going to say it was back in 2005, so I've been at this for a while. <laughs> I I didn't even know nonfiction audiobooks existed. It really wasn't. A, it's always been fiction. Yeah, I, yeah, I th- it was probably there, but I, I was just oblivious to it. So it, on Audible, if you, whatever you search, that just comes up as more recommended books that kind of looks at your search history and just keeps recommending similar books. I, I didn't even know nonfiction books existed. Probably, uh, I was probably into the audiobook world for, I'm going to say almost five years before I realized, holy crap, there's, there's nonfiction books here. How have you noticed, because 2005, like you've been at this for a while, how have you noticed the evolution of nonfiction availability online? Well, that's then? a good point. So when I, when I discovered nonfiction audiobooks existed, they were few and far between. I mean, they, they were the, the exception, not the rule, that, that a nonfiction book was put out in audio. Now, you're hard-pressed to find a book, a nonfiction book that's not in the audio format, a current, like a, a new release. In fact, Barack Obama just put out a new audio book, I mean, a, new, a new book, and I, I'm almost positive it came out in audio before it came out in print. And, and that says something to where we are at. And a question for you around that is, when did audiobooks transition from kind of what we know Netflix to be now? So Netflix started out only carrying these really um, uh, like movie, like th- the movies that someone dug out from under their bed, like just like the movies no one wanted to watch. So when did you find that the audiobook space really transitioned into this place that you wanted to actually spend I, time? I equate when, when smartphones went mainstream, when, when Audible had an, when, when there was an Audible app for your iPhone, that is when I think that was the launching pad for an incredible like boom i mean we're in we're in if you think of a graph we're in the hockey stick of of the audio um audiobook world it started out really slow and now it's just going straight up so iphones made it cool (laughs) i I, iphones changed our culture in a lot of ways right podcasting was this obscure obsession obsession just you know weirdos did or listened to until the smartphone made it um so accessible, right? That so now, y- you're more likely to have your audiobook with you 
than your physical book with you at any given moment in time. Everyone always has their phone with them. And we we know from the headphones that you've, y- you own. That- you, you, well, and you could have headphones. Some people walk around with head, earbuds, in, like AirPods in their ears, like jewelry, right? It's, it's a fashion statement for a lot of people. All they got to do is hit play. You know what I mean? They're already in their ears. It's not like they got to pull them out and stick them in. I, I see people walking around and never take them out of their ears. They are that comfortable for a lot of people. In fact, they, they wouldn't leave home without them <laughs> kind of mindset. And all you got to do is hit play on your, your smartphone and you're listening. Whereas the book, you got to pull it out of a bag. You got to find your page. You got to right? find a spot to read it. So I think, uh, I, I think a kind of a key question is is kind of going over some of the audio book non-fiction audio books we've read recently okay so this is there's nothing going over all you know going back to the beginning of when i started this but just recent ones because this would be something for people to to dig into on their own so um i've recently listened to two mark manson audiobooks and if you don't know who mark manson is he wrote the uh the booming bestseller the subtle art of not giving a bleep it's an orange covered book and it's 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 entertaining, informative and inspirational. It is maybe one of the best nonfiction books I've ever read. He does not uh, he does not narrate that book, but he wrote a second book called Everything's Bleeped, a book about hope, and he narrated that book. And as much as I enjoyed his first book, I thoroughly enjoyed him reading his second book at like a whole other level if he if i so much that if he re if he re-released his first book the subtle art of not giving a bleep with him narrating it even though i've already consumed it i would buy it again just to hear him narrate it and and what's the theory behind he just seemed to emphasize things that maybe a, a voice actor would not know to emphasize he just and he had sarcasm in his voice where, again, a, a professional narrator might not know that was, he might not have picked up on that was a sarcastic moment in the book. Whereas Mark Manson wrote it, he knew that was sarcasm and he used a sarcastic voice. I think it really was a game changer. Like I, it made all the difference in the world. And I enjoyed both books, but the second book, I don't think it was as good as the first book, just content wise but because he narrated it it was better there really is something to having the narrative because they know their work so well but on the flip side if you've ever listened to a fiction book narrated by the author it is just misery those books have so many different characters and so many different voices it needs a professional voice actor to make it work so if you if you've listened to the author narrate a fiction book and you're basing my comments on that. Don't because it, it there should be it should be illegal for <laughs> fiction authors to narrate their own books. Now another book I consumed through a non nonfiction book recently I consumed, and I say consume because I I kind of feel like I can't say read. That's that's for another podcast, but uh, Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, and this is a. It's, I wouldn't. I don't know if I, it would fall into the tomb category, meaning it's you know over eight hundred pages. I don't know how many pages it is, but it's it's a fairly thick book. But it's it's very. It would be a really hard book to read. It really would. I, I don't know why. I, I've never tried to read it, but just the content. He kind of takes the long road to make a lot of points, 
And I don't know if I'd have the patience to read all those pages to get to the point he was trying to make, but I enjoy listening so much that I, I will put in the listening time to get there. In the end, the book was worth listening to, but I, I was never going to read that book. But it, it was one I got a lot from. It's kind of nice when someone's spoon feeding you information that you wouldn't otherwise consume, like you just said. And, and on the flip side, another book I just consumed, <laughs> I'm going to keep using that word, is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And this is a two-hour audiobook only, and it's about 175 pages. And I consume that in like one sitting. And then he, he narrates the book as well. But it is a, um, it's a book with, that I could probably read or listen to, but I did enjoy listening to that one. I, I, I got a lot out of it. What I did, because it was so short, I listened to the book three times in a row because it was so short. And I got something out of different every single time. There's no way I was going to sit down and physically read that book three times. So I listened to, I listened to it three times, bang, 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 like no, no books in between, and got something different out of it all three times. That's commitment to audio right there. Wow. One other author I'm just going to mention before I let you in <laughs> on this is Anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Now, he narrates all his own books. Malcolm Gladwell's books, they're often stuck in the self-help section of a bookstore. And they don't belong there. They belong in the section that doesn't exist called the thought-provoking section. Ooh, I like that. Yes, that, that section should exist. And I have listened to uh, quite a few of his books. And I, for almost for the same reason I like listening to them is he narrates them. He emphasizes where it needs emphasize. And I, I li his books are so thought-provoking that you have to listen to it multiple times. To, and you get something different every single time. And that's one I actually want to listen to. And one I'm, one that I'm going to... Oh, I, and we'll mention a title. His latest one is Talking to Strangers, which uh, I, I'm going to do a, uh, a YouTube video uh, book review on that one. It was just a fabulous book. Just I can't say enough about it. And yeah, that's definitely one I want to listen to. And a, a one that I will throw in that I uh, listen to, actually there's a bunch, but Sarah Knight's books... Um, she and I, I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I actually I have this thing where I will listen also I'll hear authors on podcasts and then based on how they kind of show up on a podcast then I'll listen to their book just because of how entertaining they are to be on that podcast and talk and then you kind of get a sense of what their their what their style is when they're when they're when you're listening to them. Well, I think when you hear them on a podcast being interviewed, you get a feel for the yes. personality, yeah. right? And then the personality shows through in the podcast if it's if it's a well-done interview. And then all of a sudden, you find out they narrate the book, and then you listen to them knowing their personality, and you, you absorb it at a whole other level. Yeah, it's kind right? of like meeting a friend for the first time and then having another conversation with yeah. them again. Yeah. It, has that happened to you? Oh, uh, I've listened to a ton of Malcolm Gladwell interviews, Mark Manson interviews, and Jordan Peterson interviews. So I, I've listened to those people be interviewed countless times. Jordan Peterson was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And that interview was surprisingly, like I didn't, I thought those guys would be like oil and vinegar. But it was a really good, if you ever get a chance to listen, well, you should get a chance to listen to that. It's really a good interview, extremely long. 
but uh, really good. And you really get to feel for Jordan Peterson's personality. And then when you listen to his book, you listen to it with a different mindset. So that is a good point that if you hear that person and you will, you'll never know the books that I have bought on Audible because I, I listened to that author being interviewed on a podcast. Well, actually, there was this one. Um, actually, we'll link the one you just mentioned. And then um, The War of Art. Um, great YouTube video. Yes, with Ma- Maria Folio. Yeah. And uh, he interviews Steve- she interviews Stephen Pressfield. And she's a great interviewer. And that is one um, that made me buy the book. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll link those in the show notes because those are two really great uh, things to dive into. So a question for you, do you think that certain nonfiction genres cater to audiobook format more than others? I do. And the, the, here's the three that I think really are just, they just are, were made for audio. So biographies, because a biography is really a story being told, right? So I think biographies are well suited for the audio format because it, it it's telling somebody's real life story. Uh, have you listened to any biographies? I haven't, but I believe that because uh, there's I I was reading I, well a long time ago. I read a uh, a biography kind of around um was it was more about Starbucks. It was a it was a book about Starbucks, and there's a lot of details in there. It's hard to get through, but when it's in audio, I mean it's just being kind of fed to you, and you're just kind of absorbing it. And it's it's a nice, I'm sure, easy easy to listen to. Well, have you ever listened to a bio? Have you ever tried, tried to read a biography and it starts out with when I was five years yes. old? Yes. That's you, what I'm you, picturing. You, your eyes just glaze over. You think, okay, I want to know what happened to JFK when he was president, not when he was five years old, but you don't want to miss any important pieces. Yes. So what the beauty of audio, here's where the magic of audiobooks, nonfiction audiobooks are, is you can just kind of not be, you, you can zone out a little bit while you're listening to this. And then if all of a sudden, if you're doing dishes and listening to a biography about John F. Kennedy and some little tidbit is dropped, you can say, wait a minute, what was that? His favorite color was green? <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, whatever that fact might be. And you might rewind it and say, oh, I want to I want to get all of that. But you, if you don't have to like be fully engaged in reading it, you can be this basically skimming to get to the parts you like and and not and you you will know if you missed a piece or not right so that's the magic of biographies and uh, and audiobooks so and i would arguably say that you can't use that same tactic when you're consuming a fiction book because there's, oh, you could miss part of the story, pieces right? of the story happening at yeah. all times. If you get to chapter six and there's a character you never knew existed, where did he come from? Because the, the water is on a little bit too loud when you're washing dishes. Like that, you can't. That's not gonna. That's not gonna fly. So biographies are magical when it, it, in audiobooks. They because they're good to consume. They are a fantastic resource. But I will go as far as to say they should only produce yes. uh, biographies in audio. Yeah, no one's got time to sit there and read it, but it's, again, good information. So the other one that I really think is well-suited to the audio format is self-help. I'm going to say, so I read a book on why we get fat. And just for the record, I'm I'm not an overweight person, but I I was an overweight child, so I'm always kind of living in fear of gaining weight. So 
I, I wanted to read about it, but this book really broke down the science of getting fat, like how sci- scientifically how we get fat. And I can tell you there was a lot, it, it was a fairly lengthy book, but man, was there a lot of dry material in there that really didn't interest me a, a whole lot. There was maybe one or two factoids in a chapter and the rest of it was like mind numbing. But there was some chapters where I would, you know, listen to that same chapter three times because I was so mesmerized by it. And I call that a self-help book in that it's really helping people lose weight or not gain weight. And it was, that was the first sort of self-help audiobook I ever listened to. And that, I think when people get a self-help book, they, they tend to be thicker books and the author's trying to write it for a broad audience, right? They're trying to, they're not narrow in scope, right? Why we get fat is a pretty broad topic, right? And it covers a lot of things. And you might only be interested in certain aspects of it. I guess you could read those particular chapters. But this book was written in such a way that one chapter kind of fed into the next one. You couldn't just read individual chapters and get the same thing out of it. So self-help books like that. Other ones are like, I don't know, behavioral type of things, right? Where you're trying to uh, correct a, a behavior of your own. Maybe you suffer from anxiety. And there's some science to anxiety and you just want the solution, right? So you don't have the patience to read about the science behind it. And a lot of these doctors that write self-help books, they really want to prove their their science. And the science is boring as hell. <laughs> but the, but they, they, as doctors, they feel almost required to prove their science, right? And that science, it may actually mean something later in the book and they might the author may actually refer back to the science and if you didn't read the science you're going to kind of feel lost in the book so i i think self-help have you found any self-help books that really i guess the serenade books are kind of a uh, a behavioral self-help genre right it definitely yeah crosses over and a little bit into the third category you're going to mention as well yeah so motivational books that's the other one where if you've ever read a tony robbins book or any of these uh uh I, Dave Ramsey is a financial motivational speaker type of person. Any of these motivational books, uh, particularly narrated by the author, uh, it, they, they, w- the problem with those motivational books is they can be repetitive, right? And they're they're repetitive for a reason. They they are they they keep explaining or or having a solution and and presenting it in different ways, in an effort to motivate everybody who's reading it because. One presentation might not resonate with this reader, but it presented the same point in a different way would resonate with another reader. So that can get tedious to read, right? So so listening to it, again, it's like the biography. You can skim over the parts that you know, okay, this really doesn't resonate with me, but I'll listen to it uh, passively until I get to a part that does resonate with me. And for me, for motivational books, there is a reason conferences are so popular. You attend and there's someone, the the keynote speakers on stage pumping you up. And I'm sure you've seen YouTube videos of the energy in these rooms. And I think these motivational audiobooks are kind of the next best thing to actually attending one. That's a good point. Like if you think what it costs to go to a Tony Robbins motivational seminar, I I think I heard it costs like $7,000 or some obscene amount like that. I'm not saying it's not worth it, but it's an outrageous amount of money. If his audiobooks are half as good at uh, 
a one hundredth the price, it might be a good good uh, second choice. I agree with that, and and just hearing. Sometimes we don't always want to hear things that might be beneficial to us, but I think. So, so I think being able to actually kind of have someone speak it into your ears and to kind of absorb it that way is, I don't know, I think it's good. And there's something about letting somebody in your ears mm-hmm. that, that you, 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 it becomes a little more personal. Yes, yes, more personal. You're literally letting somebody in your head. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like someone is talking to you at you. Yeah. Yes, I love that point. So those are obviously three that work really well in audiobook format. Um, and you're kind of in your experience of, of picking books up. Is there any that don't work well in nonfiction books, specifically that don't work well in audiobook format? Yeah, so anything with lots of facts and figures. And you get, in, I'll go back to these self-help ones. If you are somebody who really likes the science behind dieting or the science behind weight loss, or this, any of the science in, in any of these self-help books, if that's something that you really enjoy, then consuming it in audio is going to be a really bad choice. And another one I've, I've struggled with, and I mentioned this earlier, is history books. History books have a ton of you know dates, uh, people like uh, historical figures that, that meant something in a battle or something. I, I like military history. Um, and they have a lot of maps and illustrations. And if you listen to an audiobook of history and they're referring to a map, a lot of the history audiobooks come with a uh, an uh, accompanying PDF. So you, you almost need to pull your phone out and look at it while you're listening. Uh, those books just, they're a bit of a grind to listen to. And they just, at some point, you got to just decide this doesn't work. And, you know, if you read enough of the audible reviews on a particular audiobook, I find that the, um, if you dig deep enough, there's some reviewer that came to that conclusion and tr- trust those ones. Like those, those ones are, are real. If you just want an overview of a historical event, just a very high level, you know, what actually happened in the Civil War, you know, American Civil War, if you just want to, if you know nothing about it and you want just some general overview, and those maps don't mean much and those facts and figures are just not that relevant to you, it might be a good choice. But I kind of struggled with history books as a rule. So taking all that into consideration, when you go to read a new nonfiction audiobook, do you weight the reviews of the actual physical book in accordance with the audiobook. I mean, for that history book example, someone could have said it's an amazing book, but then you go to listen to it and it's not because it be just because of the facts or so if you have a number one best selling uh, uh, a physical book, are you are you just consider just kind of considering your mind that it's going to be as good in an audio version? Uh, so I read two sets of reviews when I when I'm selecting a book. I read the Goodreads reviews and those are just typically the people who physically read the book sprinkled in with the audiobook review. But I really, I, my book selection is, is almost completely weighted on audible reviews. And sometimes I will, if I'm really on the fence, I'll type it into Reddit and I'll say, has anybody listened to this in audio? You know, is it a book you'd recommend? And 
the beauty of Reddit is people are just waiting for questions, right? They're just waiting to answer questions. I love Reddit. I'm on there every single day. It's kind of the the people who occupy the audiobook listening space. It's kind of this arena all of its own. And I find the audiobook community is a tighter knit group than just people who read books. It's almost like we're a cult and uh, the rest of the world doesn't understand our passion and we got to stick together. That's almost how I feel, right? It's, it's, it's definitely a small, it's a smaller community for sure. And I think, I, I think everyone it's, it's, I, I don't, I haven't met a person who doesn't, hasn't read a book. So it's definitely this kind of thing that everyone does. Actually, you know, they, you can still say the word podcast or audiobook in 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 certain circles. Like if you went to a wedding or a party and you mentioned the word audiobook or podcast, you you could still get some strange looks. But to your point, if you mentioned book, I mean, unless you're from the 16th century, <laughs> you know what a book is. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I think I think everyone listening to this has been in that position where they mention the audiobook and 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 people kind of raise their eyebrow. So you mentioned um, the narrator makes a difference when you are reading a book. Um, overall, I mean, you've obviously listened to a lot of audiobooks. Is there any any authors in particular that really stand out in your mind as as being a game changer as a narrator in nonfiction? Well, I mentioned Mark Manson and Malcolm Gladwell are are really good narrators. There's a one of my favorite narrators for fiction is Scott Brick. He he is in a probably one of the best narrators uh, I have ever heard for a fiction book. And I heard him do a nonfiction book. And because he does voices, he's, he's such a great voice actor. I, I guess my, the where I'm going with this is I can't take the book serious if it's being done by a person I've heard do a great job of nonfiction or fiction. So a voice actor who does a fabulous job of fiction, I, I can't take them serious enough to read me a nonfiction book. This is like actors who only play romantic comedies who then switch yes, into serious roles. Yes, I, I can't take them serious enough. They, they might be doing a fabulous job, but it just, uh, all I keep wondering is, is this true? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's 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 what's running through my mind. You know, is there a gotcha coming here at the end? Because that's what this guy usually delivers. That's that, and you know what? That is such a nuance of a hardcore audiobook listener because you you you're, you you can idolize uh, voice actors the same way you can idolize actors. Oh, I do. I I there's there's John Lee. He he can he does um the Ken Follett uh, medieval times uh, series of books he has out pillars of earth was was the first one he could read anything of of like medieval history and i would believe it. if he read me a nonfiction book I, I i'd say well i don't know if this is true right it's is fiction is it true so i think a a really good fiction voice actor just can can't sell me on a nonfiction book. I, it's unfortunate, but that's just how my mind is wired. And then are you more, because uh, I like I know my answer to this, but are you more apt to read a book? Like, will you avoid a book if it's not read by the author? Is, is that, have you reached that point? 
No, it's getting more and more common. Once we get to a point where like over 50% of the books, nonfiction books are read by the author, once we get to that point, then I will probably just stop consuming nonfiction books that are not read by the author. Do you think authors, like nonfiction authors, are catching on to that, the fact that we actually just prefer the author reading the book? If I had to guess, it started as an effort to save money, right? The author didn't have to pay an actor, a voice actor, to read the book. That, that was probably how it started. And then the reviews came back saying, you know, this is fabulous. Um, is it catching on? I, I think some authors might think they're, okay, here's a guy. I wrote, so I, I listened to the book Sapiens by Noah Havari. I, I won't even pretend to pronounce his name. It's, the book's called Sapiens. And he speaks uh, in a very thick accent. He's from Israel. Very thick accent. I couldn't listen to him narrate a book for more than 20 minutes because I would struggle with that thick accent, right? And, and I'm not knocking him. I mean, I'm sure I have an accent to him, right? Like we all have accents if we're not in our own country. So I, there's an example where I, he, he could not narrate the book for me. I, I, unfortunately I couldn't consume it. So I, I'm glad he doesn't actually, you know, who narrates that book? John Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it, because the book takes place, it's in ancient history. And I, I kind of relate John Lee to ancient history. It works. That's the only reason it works. When it comes to um, listening to audiobooks, would you, is there books that you just would not read if it were not for audio? Anything over 300 pages, I'm probably out. You know, I, I, I'm just not gonna, I, I, I might even, I might buy the book. Maybe, maybe I buy it used, but, but I'll buy the book. I'll put it on a shelf and I'll, I'll never read it. Like, I don't know. I just can't sit still for that long. And, and it just, I, I enjoy listening to audio so much. It would just cut in like the whole time I'm reading, I think I could be listening to something right now. So I would say anything that would take me longer than three weeks to read, a physically read. I, I'm not going to read it. It's really, audiobooks really are this kind of super secret power then because it's you're, you're able to consume more information than you would before. Well, I'm able to consume information I wouldn't otherwise consume, yeah. right? Yeah. More importantly, this is, this is information that was never going to get in my head otherwise. So these 800-page these books, I'm never, like I'm, t- I'm saying I'm never, like it could be the greatest book ever written, I am not, con- I'm not consuming it unless it's available in audio. And before audiobooks, before nonfiction audiobooks, that 2005 period when, or whenever you kind of really discovered them, did you kind of just consider yourself a person who just didn't like nonfiction books? Was that ever a thing that happened? Well, you're probably going back to when I was in school, right? Like, well, did even 2005 period when you were listening to fiction, it, you, you probably were maybe enjoying that fiction book more than reading a nonfiction book. So I, and I just, I, I, I asked that because it'll lead us to my next question for you. But like people say, oh, I'm just not a reader all the time. Do you know what opened my, opened my eyes to nonfiction in general was podcasting. Mm. So I would listen to a podcast where an author is being interviewed and they would talk enough about the book saying, wow, I got to listen to that or I got to read that book. And that's what got me. So when podcasts became popular, because of the smartphone, so did audiobooks. So they kind of came to me at the same time. I just never really 
paid attention to nonfiction. You know, once I was done school and uh, I didn't have to read nonfiction, I just gravitated to fiction. It's kind of opened that, definitely opened that space up a lot uh, to to really, and I, I think I, I'd like to argue that maybe more nonfiction books are consumed to this day because, because of audiobooks. Yes, 100%. So I'm circling back around to that question that we were, or the thing that we talked about at the beginning of the episode was, is it's, it's about is, can you learn to listen? Can you learn? Is that a skill that you can learn to get, to get better at? Cause I hear all the time, oh, I'm, I just, I just can't consume information that way. I'm not an auditory learner. Like we, we think that we are almost born that way, or that's a thing that we can't change. I think it's a skill that you can enhance. But some people, they're, they're naturally gifted to be an auditory learner. So audiobooks are just going to, they're just going to absorb them at a whole other level than anybody else will. But I think it's something, it's a skill you can develop and it's a skill worth developing because if you can develop the ability to listen and comprehend, it, that's just going to help you in life in general, right? Like there's, but I, I think you have to work, some people will have to work at it harder than there's just like uh, physically reading a book, some people can just uh, pour through books in, in no time, and other people, it's a grind. So for me, to physically read a book is a bit of a grind. My wife can read a book in, in no time com- compared to me, right? And I, we could be sitting there both with a book in our hand, and her pages are flipping constantly. Mine, <laughs> mine are flipping really slowly. It's just how I read. Um, so it, I just for an example, some some avid readers have developed this the ability to skim, right? And they, they know in a nonfiction book that I'm just going to skim this, but they still get enough out of that skimming that they, that they, they know whether they miss something or not. That's, not a, I, that's a skill you develop, right? You're not born with the ability to skim and make sure you haven't missed something important. Just like listening, you can skim, listen, right? That, but that, that's something that just comes naturally to me. I don't have to work at it. So I think... Like anything, the more you do it, the the better you're going to get at it. You mentioned a while ago. I mean, this is kind of a common thing to the the differentiation between consuming and reading. So, at what point in time do you remember that you kind of you kind of just became proud of the fact that you consume nonfiction books at whatever level, and that you actually took the time to take it in, versus kind of just kind of no. Uh, reading right there's reading and there's consuming yeah. so you're kind of like because we don't know everyone doesn't know what, what an audiobook is so if it's someone's like oh i consume that book i can i consume that that information and then someone's like wait what do you mean consume so this is definitely a, a podcast for another day uh and it's going to be called wait it, it's going to be called our audiobooks cheating so that, that is a podcast that's coming so just stay tuned but i the the day i i realized that um, me listening to a book was as good as me reading a book or better is I was, I was physically reading this book called how not to die. It's a, um, it's, it was a, a book by Michael Greger on, um, diet on, on healthy eating. And it was a book on how not to die. And I was reading it and I like physically reading it. And my wife asked me, she goes, how's that book? And I says, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. And then the next day she said, so what's that book about? And I said, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and she goes, well, you've been reading that for like a week or maybe two. 
you'd think you'd know something about it. I said, you know, I don't. She goes, and she said, why don't you try listening to the audio version? I says, well, you know, I should try that. So I got the, I bought the audio book. And after about, I don't know, a day, maybe two days, um, she said, did, she asked me, did you ever get that audiobook version of that book you were reading? I said, I did. And I started reciting that book like I wrote it to her, you know, the facts and things out of it. And that's when I realized me listening to a book, I, I comprehended more and my, my, my mind wandered less by me listening to it than reading it. So from that day forward, I, I call it reading. I, I, I know I'm going to use the word consume, but I, I want the listeners of this podcast to not mistaken me to say think I read it. So I'm using, but to the rest of the world, outside of this podcast, I would say I read it. On this podcast, I'm going to say I consumed it because I don't want people to think I read it. <laughs> physically traditionally read it so that's the day I decided I read that book and I read every other book I ever listened to no that's I think that's that's a key thing because there when when there's less of the world consuming audio you feel like you're kind of get cheating which again I know we're gonna circle we'll, we'll do a whole episode on that um so I think we, you talked about doing dishes, listening to audiobooks. There's a million different kind of, I don't know about you, but I actually look for things to do around the house when I'm listening, trying to get some audio in. And so for you, what's kind of the different activities that you can do when you're listening to nonfiction versus fiction? And are there more opportunities kind of available to you? So this is another podcast that's going to be coming up on, you know, the varying activities you can, should, or shouldn't do while listening to audiobooks. That, that is a podcast that's coming. But just to touch on this, I think it takes, you have to dedicate more cognitive energy to a nonfiction audiobook than you do, in, to, than you do to a fiction audiobook. So knowing that, then the activity you're doing has to require less cognitive energy. So... For instance, doing dishes doesn't require a lot of cognitive energy, but um, folding laundry might require more, right? You're trying to match socks and figure out where this goes and that goes, or um, going for a walk requires very little cognitive energy, but driving a car requires more. So I think you you have to look at the, the cognitive energy required to do the activity you're going to do is going to take away from your 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 listening comprehension. So that j- just know that this is a podcast that's coming out, but that is how I would make the distinction between the activities you should choose when listening to nonfiction versus fiction. And I, last thing to say, I know we're going to do a whole episode on that, but I, I'm not sure about you, but I kind of find it a little bit counterintuitive in the fact that even though nonfiction does consume require more energy sometimes mental energy sometimes that's almost beneficial because it means we will give it more attention and therefore be more focused yes it 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 is a a a positive it sounds like a negative but it actually is you're right it's a positive so I, for, for anyone listening to this the whole episode title is struggling with nonfiction audiobooks so Obviously, there is probably individuals listening today who are struggling with that. So 
what are some top tips and tricks that maybe you used in the beginning that others can really take advantage of when trying to listen to nonfiction audiobooks? This is the money part of the show. This this is what you tuned in for. So these are a couple of a few of my tips and tricks that have helped me along the way my journey of consuming nonfiction audiobooks. So this is a if you're just starting out, listen to a book you have already read and comprehended. So listen to a book that you have successfully physically read and then consume it through audio. That is um, a game changer. Like you you will, it, it sounds like it's wasted time because what, you already read the book. Why would I listen to it? But it, it really helps you you understand what you're listening to and how the book's organized. It just, it helps you with a mental picture of the book. Another one that doesn't make sense is increase your listening speed. And I'll just give you a little thing on Audible or any any listening app on your phone. You can adjust the speed. And it doesn't change the pitch of the narrator's voice. It's not going to sound like chickmunks. When you increase the speed on the Audible app or any other audiobook app, what it does is it just removes the silence between the words. And so you get more words per minute but it doesn't actually change the narrator's pitch. So it, 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 you won't, you'll be okay with the voice. It, the voice won't change. But it sounds counterintuitive, right? You're increasing the speed and you're trying to comprehend it. But what it does is it forces your brain to commit more cognitive energy to the act of listening. So how does this affect the or impact the activities that you do while well listening to nonfiction? You definitely don't drive a car. <laughs> so it, it means you, you will have to do something even less uh, cognitive required. So I would suggest walking, not in a busy downtown core, but walking and increasing your speed to like 1.5 is a great place to start. And it makes all the difference in the world. It stops the wandering mind almost instantly. And what about sitting still? Again, I know we're going to do a whole episode on this. Sitting board, still but is your enemy. I mean, there, your mind is just going to go. So sitting still and listening to a nonfiction audiobook is basically a waste of time. <laughs> so the next one is tip is to don't leave large gaps between your listening sessions. So when you're listening to a, a, a fiction audiobook, you could always back it up half a chapter and you, you know the narrator starts talking about part of the story and you remember that part of the story and off you you're off to the races. But in a in a nonfiction audiobook, sometimes the author spends a couple of chapters trying to make a point. So they might you know, chapter two and three uh, are the science that's going to explain chapter four, right? And if if you if you leave too much of a gap between chapter two and three and chapter four, then that point is lost. So you can't leave big gaps of time. So if you only listen to your nonfiction audiobook on the weekend and you you don't listen to it through the week, it it's not going to work. This this point, right? I'm really glad you mentioned this point because this is where I used to fall down. I mean, and. I I have trouble with this one because even every morning on my commute to work, I would listen to a nonfiction when I first started out. And 
I would have, I would have trouble retaining. And again, maybe it was the information I was consuming, but this one, how I feel like this one's common. And the key is to, the other one kind of related to this is to have a long listening duration, long listening sessions. So you, you have to commit a longer window of time for each listening session and the gaps between listening sessions need to be short. So I would say try to make a point of consuming your nonfiction audiobook on some interval every single day. Like one hour a day would be a great interval, right? That that would get you, and you're not going to lose your place or lose your train of thought. So another one, and this works well with a smartphone, is I wouldn't suggest this for everyone, but maybe your first audiobook, nonfiction audiobook, is buy the Kindle or the ebook version and the audiobook version and just follow along uh, while you're listening to it, follow along on your phone through the the ebook version and follow the words. And even though it's going in your head, you can sort of follow it on the phone. It sounds unproductive. I've done it and it, it really does help. And one thing you can do while you're doing that is if the author says something that you find particularly insightful, you can uh, highlight that in the ebook, right? And that, that that's a highlight you can read later. So that that's a benefit. And kind of tied to that is the last tip I could give is with the Audible app, you can make you can put notes in in. So if you're listening to an audiobook and the, the author says something really interesting, you can add a note on your app uh, saying you know this was really insightful, or this was interesting, and you can even dictate the note. Like you don't have to type it; you can actually say it in your phone. And when you're adding a note the Audible app will pause the audiobook while you're doing that. And if you pause the audiobook and you make a note and you write a note or you say a note, I guarantee you that point is going to stick with you more than had you not. So, And then you can go back and refer to your notes after, which is great. So these are some tips and tricks that have worked for me for nonfiction audiobooks. I highly recommend them. And that is it for our show today on struggling with nonfiction audiobooks. We will leave links to some of the things that we talked about in today's show in the show notes. You can refer back to it after. If you have your own tips and tricks on how you navigate the struggle with nonfiction audiobooks, let us know. We'd love to hear your uh, personal feedback on this. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we can't wait to have you back with us for a brand new show soon. 